The fallout from the introduction of the so-called, well, not so-called, it's called the Alberta Sovereignty in a United Canada Act continued today. It spread well beyond the province's borders. Lots of ink spilled, so to using an old cliche, lots of ink spilled today about this one. Everyone has an opinion on just how much of an overreach it is, how much an affront it is, how harmless it is, how much it defends Alberta's interests. Um a reminder of what exactly it does. Uh, it would give Danielle Smith, the premier and her cabinet, broad powers to rewrite provincial laws behind closed doors in the name of pushing back against federal legislation deemed, quote, harmful to Alberta's interests. What exactly harmful means is not defined. That's a problem. Um, once harm had been found, quote unquote, cabinet could then adapt provincial laws as it pleased. That's another problem. Now, today, the premier went to great lengths to explain it's not about a power grab. It's about giving Alberta a bigger say in all this. Uh, but what can be done and what will be done, two different things. In other words, it's already a bit of a mess. There's all kinds of interpretations about what it could really mean out there. And that's a bad thing if you're a government, by the way. So that's what happened today in the legislature. The leader of the opposition, NDP leader Rachel Notley and uh, Daniel Smith, here's what they had to say to each other. She's granting herself the ability to write laws in secret, behind closed doors, no reviews, no checks, no balances. Just an unprecedented abuse of authority. To the Premier, why is her first act an unconstitutional, anti-democratic attack on the democratic rights of Alberta? The Honourable the Premier. Mr. Speaker, and thank you for the question from the honourable member. Uh, no, it does not. It's very clear, and every decision that is going to be made has to first get the validation from this assembly. And what that means is that, that this assembly will pass a motion and it will give the direction to cabinet. It will always be the, the direction of the members that we will make decisions in cabinet. Well, the one thing it isn't is very clear. That may be clear to Danielle Smith, but to many others, it's not clear at all. And again, that's a problem. You don't create legislation of this magnitude and not make sure that it's clear. And this one is just not clear. There's so many different interpretations about what, what it could mean out there today. People are not going to be happy about it. Meanwhile, in Ottawa, don't forget a lot of this is about electioneering and politicking and, you know, making Ottawa the fall guy and all this. The prime minister was kind of staying out of it today. We want to continue to be there to deliver for Albertans. There's going to be things that we agree with that government on. There's going to be things we disagree with them on. And my focus is always going to be to be constructive. We're going to see how this plays out. Uh, I'm not going to take anything off the table, but I'm also not looking for a fight. Not looking for a fight. Well, I think he's got one, but he's not looking for one. We'll see what happens there. Of course, underlying all of this is the idea that Ottawa's legislations are bad for business in Alberta. Really, this must have some benefit to it, or you wouldn't go to all this trouble and create all this chaos within Alberta to try and win these powers back if you didn't think there was going to be some kind of benefit to it. One assumes the benefit would probably be economic, right? But what exactly would the Alberta Sovereignty Act bring to the province's economy? And specifically, what does this uncertainty bring to its investment climate? To help us with that is Deborah Yedlin. She's the CEO of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. So uh, you know, this was a much anticipated piece of legislation. I think many people were waiting to see exactly what it looked like. Um, you you said it went further than expected. How so? Well, we didn't see, we weren't expecting something like cabinet having the ability to force provincial entities to ignore federal laws if they didn't like them. 
Yeah, what is the impact of that? I mean, there's been a whole lot of debate about that today. The, the amount of ink spilled or keyboards bashed over the last 24 hours on this one. But just from a business perspective, how do you see it? Well, if you are a business and you're thinking of investing or in, in the province or you're thinking of setting up an office or some sort of operation in the, in, in the province, and there's the potential the province may say that there's a regulation that you have to comply with that's federal, but they don't want you to do that because they don't think it's helpful. That introduces a lot of risk in your investment thesis. And that means your cost of capital goes up, which means your returns could be compromised. And that means you will look for another place to invest because capital goes to where it can get the best return. And that means stability of jurisdiction and as little uncertainty as possible. Yeah, I guess uncertainty is the word here, right? Uh, yeah. Invest, investment doesn't like uncertainty. And this throws, even today, the debate over what it actually means, how to interpret it, throws uncertainty into the mix. Absolutely. And I think the issue is that from, uh, you know, from a purely business and economic perspective, it's hard to draw a direct line between this act and supporting economic growth and diversification in, in, in the province of Alberta. We've had a tough seven years between the crash in oil prices and then COVID. And we are now on, on firm ground. We are growing the economy. We are diversifying the economy. And we don't need any uncertainty. And so what we'd like to know is, how does this support economic growth going forward? And the answer is not clear. I would have thought that uh, at some point in the creation of this legislation that uh people such as yourselves would have been consulted about what the impact might be on the economy. Because clearly one of the whole purposes here is the idea that somehow the, this will help economic growth. I think that, well, we were not consulted. I can't speak for anybody else. But there is a quite a lot of concern about what this means for Alberta's economy. Everybody's looking for talent. There is a labor shortage in Alberta, as there is across the country. And we have Alberta's calling, an Alberta's calling campaign that is currently active in Ontario. This becomes a values-based conversation. If people see this kind of an act as not supporting their value system, we may not attract the talent that we need to make sure that we can continue to grow the economy. So that's, that's how this translates. And businesses are going to be facing more uncertainty than they already do. They're already facing higher costs. They're, high, they're facing higher interest rates. They're facing supply chain issues. And now this is another layer on top of all that. Has it ever been explained, or at least uh, has the government ever tried to explain how this, how they see this helping the investment uh, climate in Alberta? I think this all, this goes back to some concern about how projects have been approved or not. And the reason for projects not going ahead, pipeline projects, other, other initiatives, I think the roots go back to that. There's also been reference to the emissions cap that the federal government has put on the table. And I think that we have a better shot at finding a solution when we collaborate and we have conversations that are constructive. And there's work that is being done, especially on the emissions cap. There's been a lot of work that's been done. Calgary Chamber's been to Ottawa. A number of companies have been to Ottawa. The Pathways to Net Zero Alliance group has been to Ottawa. We're working very hard to to shift it. We don't think that an adversarial approach is going to produce the results that we're looking for. 
I guess if I if I listen to the premier talk about why this was necessary, it is this this underlying notion that uh, federal legislation has been damaging to Alberta's economy. That there have been attempts made to try to get uh, Ottawa's um, attention on this. That those att- those attempts have been ignored, and this is yet another way of of forcing the issue. Um, is is that is that uh, is that a fair assessment of what you're hearing? There is definitely a sentiment that that looks at what's what the federal government has done and how it has affected investment in Alberta. Certainly, we need more clarity, more certainty, more transparency on regulatory matters when it comes to how we proceed with development of projects, especially in the energy sector. There's no question there is a lot of discontent about how some projects have not gone ahead, and and that's totally fair. The government did buy the Trans Mountain Pipeline. I will just I will say that. And that will support egress out of out of the oil sands, which is important in terms of oil production. So there are grievances that have merit, but to try and force a conversation or force a resolution is not the best way to approach this kind of challenge. And I, you know, we know that Peter Law hated a very strong stance against Prime Minister Trudeau Sr. Right. about Alberta's, you know, where Alberta stood. And they did find a way to establish a rapprochement and to get to where we needed to go as a province relative to the to, to Ottawa. I guess it's no surprise then that uh, the prime minister today was pretty much non-committal, but he just said, I don't want to pick a fight. No. And, he, and he's right. I think that we need to see what happens when the legislation is actually tabled. And we need to see what happens in terms of amendments that are put forward, because what we see today could be very different when it goes through the legislature. Having said that, I think that if we can offer some constructive suggestions to uh, make sure that there are some amendments tabled, that would, you know, that would be probably a better, better outcome than what we're looking at today. Deborah Yedlin, the CEO of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, is with us. We're talking about the Alberta Sovereignty in a United Canada Act, introduced uh, yesterday as the first piece of legislation in uh, Daniel Smith's uh, new government, or government at least. Um, you, you suggested perhaps seeing, you'd like to see some changes there. What, what would be a good start, do you think? Well, I think that what we'd like to see is looking at that provision about cabinet having the ability to force uh, provincial entities to ignore federal laws. I think we, that would be a good place to start. Uh, because that has far-reaching consequences and, again, uh, could really compromise companies' decisions to uh, to look at Alberta as a destination for investment. Because I, I guess, and you, you know this better than I do, most companies, when they look at Canada and Alberta, don't see the, the provinces and, and, and Ottawa, don't see the provincial federal spats. I mean, these are all things that happen in any country, in any federal system, but they really see Canada as an investment destination uh, period. They do and they don't. I think, you know, it, there is there is concern about how projects, especially resource projects, are mm-hmm. approved and the length of time it takes to have them approved. Uh, so that's something that companies have been talking about for quite a while. Having said that, we also know that um, Minister Sonia Savage, who was energy minister at the time, was at a conference in Norway and was uh, asked about the Sovereignty Act as it was first discussed in the summer. And what that meant for Alberta. And she was very surprised that, in fact, it had already traveled to, you know, to the international community and people were asking questions about it. When you look at what's happening south of the border in terms of the Investment Reduction Act and what that's doing potentially to attract investment into the clean tech sector uh, away from Canada because of the way that's structured, this is just one more reason to say, well, I think I'm going to just go somewhere else because I don't have the same amount of uncertainty that I do here. A reminder of just how incredibly competitive it all is right now. 
Yeah, I mean, we compete, we, we compete not just with the U.S., we compete around the world for capital and for talent. And anything that makes us look less desirable in either of those contexts is not going to be helpful at all. And I think we can go back to 1976 and René Levesque and the fact that Montreal was the largest city in Canada at the time and how businesses decided that even the specter of any sort of separation was enough for them to either leave the province or significantly downscale their presence in Quebec. And it's taken Montreal decades to recover its economic strength. We don't need that in Alberta. And that's certainly what the chamber does not want to see. We need to continue to grow the economy. and We need to have uh, a stable and uh, investment envir environment that's, that provides certainty for businesses. As a last question, one of the things you brought up that was interesting is diversification, because I think a lot of people outside Alberta don't realize just how much Alberta's economy continues to shift and change. We often see it as an oil, as you know, as an energy-driven economy, but it's become much more than that. Is there any concern that this this whole um, this whole act, this whole fight with Ottawa, is is a bit backward-looking? Well, here's the thing: when you talk about the energy transition and what kind of dollars we need to support the development and you know the development of technologies the implementation the proving of those new technologies and processes this is trillions of dollars and calgary has an energy transition center and it is going ahead with bringing all the innovators together there are our clean tech funds there's the clean resource innovation network there's the pathways to net zero alliance there's so much that's going on from a clean tech perspective and we need to have the capital flow into the province to support that opportunity because it is a generational opportunity. That's something we're watching very, very, very closely right now. And that's in addition to the fact that we have, you know, ag tech, fintech, there's all sorts of fantastic diversification stories that have taken root in the province. And we're really excited because that means we're not a one trick pony in terms of what we depend on for our economic activity and economic growth. Deborah Yedlin, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your time on this tonight. Thanks for having me.